Welcome to Milkshake Monday, episode 20. We have a lot to talk about tonight. Before I start, I would like to share that it is with sorrow that I know that there are families affected by what has happened with the deaths over the weekend, as well as the tragedy of having the actual temple, the synagogue, tragically shot up by somebody who is of evil mind and purposes. I was going to share with you to remember that Ephesians 6 teaches us, those of us who know the Bible, that we are in an evil day and that it seems like we focus on the people that are doing this, but we have to understand that Satan is revving up more and more. And in the last days, he's going to do more and more evil things. And we're wrestling not against flesh and blood, but against these. And I have the scripture right here. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. And it tells us about taking up the whole armor of God. And our friend and uh, family member, Reverend Michael Watts, is going to be teaching on Sundays about the whole armor of God. But the reality is that you have to have all of the parts of the whole armor and realize that in that scripture it says that we have to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. That even in these last days when these evil things happen, it'll be easy for us to be distraught. And in grief, we will feel distraught and sorrowful. But at the same time, we have to recognize that Satan is not playing games. And the more time that is drawing closer for him to go to the pit of hell, the lake of fire, the bottomless pit, he's going to do more despicable evil things on this venue that we're listening to now and in the streets in the homes everywhere you can imagine things are going to start to change where we're going to like i can't believe this is what time we're living in but that's the reality as i taught for episode 20 i said let's get this some, something straight and sometimes when you hear those words, somebody may have their finger right in your face. And I'm not saying I'm going to put my finger in anybody's face, but there's some hard truths that we're going to talk about tonight. And whether you're ready for them or not, the reality is that when you have an adversary who is playing not with play guns, but for real guns, and he's not playing with just tapping you on the shoulder to say, hey, I don't like you. No, he's trying to knock you out and kill you. And we have Christians who are playing games with the word of God, playing games with their salvation, playing games with their families, not knowing anything about the word of God, marrying people who have no interest in God, unequally yoked. We're doing all kinds of stupid stuff. But I wanted to answer a question that often is asked of my husband. I don't get, I don't talk that much uh, in a sense that I don't get it hear it on the phone like he does he's on the phone all the time but he says what's this milkshake monday about i wanted you to see this uh scripture in ephesians 4 because when the lord showed it to me i said that really sums up what milkshake mondays are about look what it says in ephesians chapter 4 verse 11 it says and he himself gave some to be apostles some prophets some evangelists and some pastors and teachers I've shared that I'm teaching. I'm sharing the gospel. This is my part. It says, for the equipping of the saints. We have people that are listening on this venue and they don't know God. And I know that there are some people that don't know God. And this is an opportunity for them to learn about the word. There are some people that go to church every Sunday. 
and they want to learn even more and they're hungry for the Lord. And there are those who say they're Christians and they don't have any interest in going to church. They just think they punched their ticket in their first communion or they went and got baptized when they were 10 or 15 or 20 and they're just done. They don't have to go to church and they're saying, oh, me and the man upstairs were just fine and they're not doing anything. I'm going to talk about that tonight. But it says here, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry. Ministry is work. That's why I talk about the labor force every week. For the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Christ is perfect. There's been talk about we need more unity, we need to be more civil, we need to talk more. The reality is that the faith that many of us profess, we have to start living. That those of us who say that we love the Lord Jesus Christ, I ask this question, are we being ambassadors for the Lord Jesus Christ or Satan? Who are you? You are saying that I'm a Christian, but you have no interest in God. You have no interest in going to the house of God. You have no interest in reading the Bible or studying it. You have no interest in going or giving or doing or being or working in the ministry, but you're a Christian. I don't want you to get surprised at the end of your life and find out that God says to you, I never knew you. So I'm trying to do in tonight to share some things with you that I hope knock you off your chair, get you very uncomfortable because the reality is either you're going to get saved and accept Christ in this life, or you're going to find that you've rejected him. And that God is going to say, depart from me, you work of iniquity, I never knew you. And you're going to find yourself in hell. And a lot of you that I've never met and probably will never meet, I want you to hear the message of the truth of the word of God tonight so you can make a decision. Now, I have a lot to go through tonight. So I'm going to stop with the Ephesians chapter 4. I will ask you to read the rest of the chapter because I want you to understand how important it is for you to know we need you. We're a body. We need the arms. We need the legs. We need the feet. We need the ears. We need the eyes. We need you. We don't need you sitting on the sidelines, but because we need you, I'm going to start teaching you some things so that you can get out there and start with the basics. All right. Now, for those of you have, who have been in the church for a long time, I'm going to tell you something that I know you've read for a long time, but I want you to hear it in a plain English kind of way. John 15 basically explains, and everybody hears this, he says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. Now, think about this. If the Lord is taking away the branch, it's getting cut down. It's not going to be a part of the tree, so it's getting cut down. If you're being pruned, you're going to get if you ever pruned a rose bush, you're going to be cut. So regardless of which way you're doing it, you're going to have some change in the way that you are living and being. And it's going to be done by the Lord. If you're not part of him, you're going to be cut off and you're going to wither away. Or if you are part of him and you're doing the work of the Lord, the Lord is going to find a situation, circumstance, whatever he's going to providentially, and providentially means his will, he is going to do something to prune you, to keep you growing, to help you grow even further and bigger and broader than you already are. So there's a change coming regardless. Either you're with him or you're not with him. But either way, there's a cut coming. 
And you have to understand that when he cuts, it's for your benefit when he prunes you. But if he's cutting you away, you're not bearing fruit. You are causing a lot of commotion, but you're not bearing any fruit. And the word of God says in verse 5 of chapter 15, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Now, I wanted you to see that because when it talks about us going out and working in the ministry, if we're not going with the Holy Spirit directing us, following after being a part of the vine, we go in our own flesh. And that's not what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be believers who follow after the Lord and let the Lord lead us. I'm going to teach you some things about the Romans road. And what I want you to understand before you even start is that you don't have to be a scholar in the Bible. I know when I first got saved as a young adult, I was very concerned. Somebody's going to ask me a question I don't understand. Somebody's going to ask me something I don't know where to go find it. And I'm going to be very intimidated. And that would make me not want to go and talk to people. But in reality, the Lord knows that we're all learners. We're all disciples. But you can learn the baby steps of doing some simple things to help you as you're growing in the knowledge of the Lord. And that's why I wanted to go over just nine simple scriptures tonight. But I want you to know something about the New Testament. Here's, a, here's what I did to learn some of the New Testament. There's 27 books in the New Testament. And this is an easy thing. If you think of the Gospels, which are four. There's a group of four and then we have five. Think of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That's the easy ones that people know pretty easily in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then you say, what comes next? You have to, you can think of Ark, A-R-C-C. So you know the Gospels are the first four. Think of the Ark. Then you can think about Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. And then I would say G-E-P-C. Think of General Electric Power Company, G-E-P-C. So you have the Gospels. You have the Ark, which is the Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Now, you can think, what's the next group? What comes after Colossians? If you don't know what they are, you can always do what we did. We, every Friday night, you'll hear my husband. He goes straight to the preface, and you can go to your index anytime. It's not embarrassing. But here's some tricks about the New Testament. The Ark, the A. R-C-C, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, G-E-P-C. But think about this. The next one is a group of five, T's. Five T's. First Thessalonians, Second Thessalonians, First Timothy, First, Second Timothy, Titus. Five T's. So your brain will say, okay, I've done the Gospels. I've done ARC, A-R-C-C. I've done G-E-P-C, General Electric Power Company. Now I've got the five T's. See, you, you help yourself by repetitively saying these things. And then you can say, well, PhD. You know how you have the PhD? Think PH, Philemon, Hebrews. And then if you say, well, what comes after Hebrews? Think HJ, Howard Johnson's. There used to be an old uh, restaurant, Howard Johnson's, HJ, Hebrews, James. Then you have your Peters, two Peters, first Peter, second Peter. And once you get to the Peters, you're almost done. First John, second John, Jude. Revelation. First John, second John, third John, Jude, Revelation. Once you start to get yourself a little pattern, you'll find that the New Testament 27 are not so hard. I wanted you to know that because as we talk about the Romans road, 
you're going to be going through a lot of different passages of the New Testament. And I wanted you to see what's going on. So if you have your Bible, I know a lot of people are using electronic gadgets. And you still may have to take notes in your electronic gadget. But I would recommend if you have a Bible tonight, get a pen, black or blue. I recommend those colors because I've tried pink and it just smears. And red doesn't work very well if you're looking at something. But if you're talking with someone... I want you to write down in the front of your Bible or in the back of your Bible or make a copy of the, the actual scriptures. Make like five or ten copies and put them all around your house. You can put one in your bathroom. You can put one in your kitchen. You can put one in your car. Put one in your wallet. Put one in your Bible. Put it all over because what happens is if you start to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to guide you and to tell, take opportunities for people to come that need to be witnessed for Christ. There are so many. And there'll be opportunities where people call you crying. Oh, I'm just having a fit. I just can't stand it. I hate my life. And you just say, let's pray. And then after you pray with us, let me walk you through some of the, the truths of the Bible that can help you. And let them have the opportunity to hear the truth. And after that, maybe they don't want to actually make a decision for Christ. But maybe they'll say, you know, you told me some things. Why I'm going to go pray about that. I'm going to go talk to God about this. So the first one that we're going to be in, and what I'm going to share with you is what I've told many of my Vacation Bible School students too, is that when you start out, you're going to put at the top of your Bible, let's say we're going to Romans chapter 3. Put at the top of that page number 1. And you could put Romans, and I want you to put 3, verse chapter 3, verse 23. And that's your number 1. And it talks about, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You get them to understand that all of us have sinned. And what does it mean by sin? We've fallen short and missed the mark. Then you say, put a note at the top. You have the number 1, Romans 3.23. Put number 2A and 2B. And you put down there Romans and you'll put Romans 5 and 8 and Romans 6.23. And what you're going to find there is that you will go to Romans uh, 6.23 and you're going to go to Romans 5 and 8. So 5 and 8, this is very close together. 5 and 8 talks about, But God demonstrates his own love toward us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. A lot of people say, oh, I've messed up in my life. I've had a, a abortion or I drink, I smoke, I, I've been to jail, I have a bad relationship, I'm divorced, I, I really have done some bad things here, I've done some bad things there, I can't possibly be a Christian, I got to clean up first, I got to get it all together first. You have to share with them that all of us have sinned. That I don't care how you think that somebody in a church looks like they got it all together, all of us have sinned. And you have to explain to them that because we've sinned and we're not holy like God, our penalty is to go to hell and, and death. But God, knowing that we were sinners, still loved us enough to come and to save us through Jesus Christ. Now, you had number 2a, which I just showed you, Romans 5.8. Now look at Romans 6.23. And 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, at the top of that page, I want you to write number three, because number three is going to tell you where you're going to go. You write down that you had 2A and B and what those scriptures were, but on that page that you had for Romans 6.23, write the number three, and then write John 3 and 3. 
So now we're going to John. Remember the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, John. So you're going to Romans 3, 3. And any Bible that you have, you can write this in. And it helps you because you never know when the Lord is going to have his spirit direct somebody in your path. So we're on number three, which is John 3, 3. And John 3, 3, so you just told them about all of us have sinned. You've told that Jesus loves us even in spite of our sin. He came. He loved us. And you showed that the wages of sin is death. Now you're here in John 3, 3. John 3, 3, it says, Jesus answered and said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And this is where you start to read and you share with them about how Nicodemus didn't even understand. He was a teacher. He said, how can I be born again? And he asked that question. And you explain to them what it means to have a relationship where you repent of your sins. You say you're sorry. You, you want to get it right. You're not right and you're never going to get it right on your own, but you want to get it right. But in order to get it right, you have to have a new experience where you are saying to the Lord, I've messed up. I want to repent. I want you to wash me clean and I want to be born again. And that's a spiritual act. At the top of this page, you have that number three is John 3, 3. And it says, go to number four. Go to number four is John 14, 6. So we're going to John chapter 14, verse 6. You're listening to the Holy Spirit and you'll be able to understand how much you need to spend more time. If the person is asking you questions, stop, take your time. Don't just rush through. Let the Spirit lead you to let you understand what that person needs at the time. Don't ever get into a fight with the Bible. You'll know if somebody is sensitive and is ready to hear the Word of God and those that are just playing games with you and really don't care and just want to fight. John 14, 6. So John 14, 6 says, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through the Son, through me, excuse me. And what he's explaining is that a lot of people think there's a spoke mentality where we can just go this way and that way. We can go Buddha, we can go Hindu, we can go this way, this way, that way. Christ is saying in the Word, and what you have to understand is the Word of God is inspired through the Holy Spirit. It is doesn't have any mistakes in it. And Christ is saying, if you're saying you want to know about Jesus Christ and Christianity, he's saying he is the one way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And that you can't get to the Father except through him. So that's important. Number five, we're going to go to Romans 10, verses 9 through 13. Going back to Romans, that's why sometimes you hear Romans wrote. But Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 13. Verse 9 through 13 says, For this is the word of promise. At this time I will come, excuse me, at this time I will come, and Sarah shall have a son. And not only this, but when Rebecca, I think I must have the wrong scripture. Let me make sure if I have the right scripture. I have bad handwriting, as my family always says. I'm supposed to be in Romans 10, verses 9 through 13. So Romans 10, verses 9 through 13. And you can see how I just did this. When you you read something, that doesn't seem like what I'm supposed to talk. You go back to your reference point and look what it says. And I should have looked at my list at the top of the page, which would have told me where, where I was. So Romans 10, Romans 10, verses 9 through 13. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart, the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. 
For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. And that's where you have to keep on reading. And it says, for there is no distinction between Jew or Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So you're starting to get more and more understanding about what does this mean to be a Christian? What does it mean when they say, are you saved or not? You're using the scripture to tell the person what they need to understand. And you can do this anywhere. Now you're going to, that was number five. We're going to number six. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 15 through 16. All right, so we're going with time. I told my I told Faith I would be going a little long today. So anyway, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. So 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 15. All right, so 5.15 says, And he died for all, that those who live shall should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. So that's going to talk to them about knowing who Christ was, that he died for them, that he died without having any sin for us. He took our place and that he resurrected. So you can get to that basic. Now we're going to the next one. We're going to Revelation 3 and 20. Revelation 3 and 20. It's the last book of the Bible. Revelation 3 and 20. Revelation 3 and 20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. This is when you start asking them, do they want to make a decision? Because Christ is waiting and, and loves them and wants them to have a relationship. And that's important. Now you can go back to John 3.16. Most people will be familiar with John 3.16. But after you have basically taken them through some scriptures that maybe they hadn't heard before, it may make a little bit more sense to them. So as you go to John 3.16, and people will recite it, but maybe as they get to this part, it will be more sensitive to, to them. For God so loved the world, and that's when you personalize it, that the Lord so loved you that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, and we're part of the whosoever, believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Verse 17 through 18 are important because a lot of them are saying, I just can't. I'm just not good enough. You just don't understand. I've just messed up so much. I've done drugs. I've done this. I've done this. And you have to just let them help them understand. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is where you have a moment just to stop and ask them, can we pray? Can we pray and talk about this? Now, the last scripture I want to tell you is number nine, because even when you have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, you're going to have opportunities where you're going to start out really strong and then you're going to fall back into potentially a habit or you'll do something and you think, oh God, this is going to be so angry with me. I can't pray to him. I can't, I just, I can't really do this because he's just so disappointed and I failed him. I want you to read uh, Romans chapter eight. <clears throat> and I always found this very interesting because I was in college and one of my cousins called and he was very distraught. 
And all I can remember is I just been taught in the Bible class about Romans chapter eight and Romans chapter eight says basically verse 35 through 39. I end on this. Who can separate you? It says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And it gives this whole list. And the purpose of the list is to let them know that there's nothing that any of us can do once we've given our life to Christ and we are purposely trying to live and ask his forgiveness. David was a man after God's own heart and he made a lot of mistakes. So it's not about being perfect. Only Christ is perfect. But you share with them at the end of this that nothing that you do, whether you are Christian for one year, 50 years, 100 years, that we always have the love of God and he wants us to come to him. When we make mistakes and sin, he wants us to ask for forgiveness and wipe it away clean with his blood and go on and move on to the next chapter of your life. But it says here, it says here in verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress, we're in a lot of distress now, or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword as it is, as it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. That's having hope of the victory that we have through Christ. And it says, for I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. And that's the blessing that I wanted to leave with you all tonight. It's important that we are ambassadors for Christ. Those of us who say that we love Jesus Christ, that we have his name, that we say that we love him, that he's died for us, be real. Make a choice. The Lord says in his scripture, either be cold or hot, but don't be lukewarm and playing games. Because he says he wants to vomit those of us who are lukewarm out of his mouth. Because Satan is not playing games. And we need people who are willing to do the work of the ministry. And, and to do that requires not to be lazy when it comes to the things of God. We can't keep having programs, patting ourselves on the back. Oh, we did great. Oh, we got another year of being this person, doing this program, doing this program. We got to get out there to the field and start telling people about who Christ is. Going out to people beyond our families and sharing who Christ is and telling them that all of us, all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and walk them through from the beginning to the end and ask them, now that you've heard the truth, now that you know about the love, can we stop? Can we pray and invite the Lord to be a part of your life because he died for you? You've got to personalize the message of the truth to the people who need it. These young people are killing themselves. The older people are killing themselves. We have tragedy after tragedy every week and we need all of us to be a part of this harvest to go and get the people of God. We thank you, Lord.